0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. John chapter 12 for today's message. Uh, I got a wedding anniversary coming up. 27, I think. Better figure that out. 27 years on Tuesday, so I had best figure out a gift. I got to start thinking through that. How many of you deep down wish you were a better gift giver than you are? Yeah, many of us. I'm included in that. So I did what normal human beings do now. I googled, what's a good gift for someone that you love? couple of examples came up, and I thought I'd share them with you this morning. First one is this. comes from Japan. It's called a bento box. I didn't know this. I've seen them on menus at various restaurants, but a bento box is created by someone showing love and appreciation to the other person, and the more beautiful the box is put together, the more you love them. I can't put bento boxes, so I'm not going in this direction, right? I my bento box would not look like that picture. So I went to the next suggestion. The next suggestion was from Germany. In Germany, they have a suggestion that looks something like this. Now <laughs> your mind can go in like four different directions on this, <clears throat> uh, but in Germany, apparently, giving gifts like chocolate and then including something that uh, from the swine or pig family shows how much you deeply appreciate the one you love. I asked my wife, and she's like, no, we're not going in that direction. <laughs> so it was funny. Uh, we, were, we were talking over a dinner, my wife and I, this last week, and we started asking uh, what our favorite gifts that we've ever received were. Now, our favorite gifts didn't come from one another, which is kind of funny in itself, but uh, as we were thinking about that, Anne was thinking of the greatest gift she's ever received, and she within probably 10 seconds, recall the time when the children were very little and it was not a good day at the house. You ever have those days when you have little kids and you're like, things are not going great and the kids know it? And so uh, our oldest son, although he was really small, he knew that something was wrong and so he went up to his room and he built a Lego creation. It was like a, best I could describe it was a trophy, but on the top of the trophy, it spelled out love and he presented it to his mom. Right? And that was my wife's favorite gift ever. After she shared that, I, I recalled uh, in 2013, my youngest uh, son, who's very small, uh, brought me a gift. It was wrapped in Kleenex. It was not a booger, <clears throat> it was this really small box. And I unwrapped it and opened it. I actually have a picture of it. It's this it's an Avon pin. If you don't know what Avon is, just think Walmart from long ago. But what was special about this pin to him is a homeless man actually gave that pin to him. It meant something to my son, Jack, and then he presented that to me. He, he wanted to show appreciation to me, so I still have that pin. It means a lot to me. Now, now you know this, right, but sharing a gift with someone allows us to communicate our feelings and appreciation for them. That's why we share gifts. We want to share a gift with someone to let them know how much we love them, appreciate them. So it's one thing to give gifts to other people we know or to my wife, but what about giving gifts to God? When I say that, I need to just clarify. This is not a message about financial giving. i I, When I think about giving gifts to God, my mind immediately goes to the Old Testament, pre-Jesus. There was an expectation that you gave back to God as a sacrifice. There were actually five sacrifices that you had to give. I wrote them down there. Burnt offering, a grain offering, a peace offering, a sin offering, and a guilt offering. And so what you do is to give back to God is you would take an animal, still alive, and you would bring it to church, and we would all slice them up together. Aren't you glad that the 400 of us this morning didn't have to do that? That would be a weird Sunday morning, wouldn't it? But because of Jesus, who's the ultimate sacrifice, paid, on, paid his life on the cross for your sins, we no longer have to sacrifice animals, but the concept of giving a gift to God still remains and still happens. We can go to the earliest story of Jesus, He's just born, and there's three magi, three guys who, who want to honor him. Matthew 2, it says this, On coming to the house, they, the magi, saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, and they worshiped Jesus. Then they opened their treasures and presented with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gifted something. They wanted to honor Jesus. Later in the Bible, a man named Paul plants a church and then later writes them about giving gifts. And he says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. There's some expectation, opportunity, that we have still to give gifts back to God. Here's here's the question. What does it mean to offer gifts to God? It's such a simple, right? We can answer that question. Well, a lot of us give back to the church. We just worshiped. And those are gifts. Those are all correct. But I want to go beyond the easy answer. What does it mean to offer gifts to God? I think there's a depth. If we really considered this this morning, there's a depth in this question, that could help us. And I want to unpack that thought in John chapter 12. And I don't have to give a lot of background in this. I'm just going to start reading the text. John chapter 12, verse 1. It says, this, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Then the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. You should read the rest of the story. It's amazing how it finishes the relationship between Mary and Jesus. But what I see in this, this is helping me to answer the question and what it means to offer gifts back to God. I think it's deeply important to us. For this community, I think it's important. So let me pray before I go into the the few things I want to share. So let's pray. So Father, we thank you for all the things that are happening. And I pray that you would continue to open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I see. You can write this down back of your program, a couple of fill-in-the-blanks. Here's what I see about Mary's gift. Mary's gift to Jesus was boldly extravagant, boldly extravagant in more ways than one. The text says that Mary brought a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet. That's extravagant. It's a little bold. Why did she do that? I don't know if you caught at the beginning of the story, there's a few people in the room. One of the people is Lazarus. He's sitting by Jesus. Jesus. Just a day or two before that, Lazarus was dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. Lazarus was Mary's brother. So imagine this. You have a brother that had died two days prior, and now he's actually in the room with you alive and breathing. If there was ever a time to celebrate, it would have been then. So Mary brings what she has. She brings, she brings perfume, a pound of it, uh-uh. A pint. It's about a pound of perfume. And the perfume's called nard. I don't know what nard is, so I looked it up. Here's what nard is. The, the perfume was made from an aromatic herb called nard. That's why it's called nard, yeah. Uh, from the mountains of India, it was imported in bottles. This expensive imported item carried such value that some used it for investment purposes. Like we use gold today. So Mary's got this expensive, large bottle of perfume and presents it to Jesus in an unconventional, extravagant way. She, she pours the whole thing on Jesus' dirty feet. And then she goes one step further. It says in the text... She poured poured it out on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Mary, what are you doing? Right back then, Jewish women would have their hair up to even let your hair down, like many of you have today as women, letting your hair down. You did not do that if you were a Jewish woman. That, That... Uh, invited disgrace. You just wouldn't do it. And yet Mary goes one step further. In in between family and friends and strangers, she lets her hair down. She gives up her dignity, gets down on her knees, and is wiping the dirty feet of Jesus with her hair. If I can imagine what it would look like if Mary stood up, this is the picture that I imagine seeing. Right? She spent it all. You can write this down. Mary held nothing back when sharing her gift. She held nothing back. She didn't care how much it cost and she gave up her dignity in the middle of it. And what happened, uh, verse 3, after this, it says this, the the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Imagine that. A, a pound of perfume poured out. You ever run across someone who uh, wears perfume or, or puts on essential oils? Uh-oh. And, and right, I don't know how you do that, but right, you put it somewhere and then other people can smell it. Imagine if someone did that this morning, but instead of the dab, they put on a pound of it. You'd smell it in the room. Imagine just for a minute what Mary's hair would have smelled like the day after. It, that smell lingered. Or Jesus, the day after, the morning after, he was, he was putting the sandals on, he could smell the gift, the aroma lingered, the gift lingered. Or what about the house? Imagine if somebody dumped a pound of perfume in your house. You'd smell that for days like Here's what I I believe. You can write this down. The level of sacrifice helps determine the lingering impact. The level of sacrifice helps determine the lingering impact. This story was retold in the book of Matthew. And in Matthew, Jesus shares this. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Mary's sacrifice of wiping her hair with a pound of perfume is still being told today. Her sacrifice lingers. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice on behalf of you and me. His sacrifice from 2,000 years ago will linger into eternity. The level of sacrifice helps determine the lingering impact. And don't we want to, when we give gifts out of sacrifice, we want those gifts to linger? Let me give you a a more personal example to the vineyard. Two weeks ago, we invited the teachers in the room, sort of a back to school thing. We invited them to stand, and many in the room uh, then were asked, Give a gift to a teacher. Financially. So people took money out of the wallet, right, and and gave sacrificially to teachers. A teacher wrote back, and I'm just going to read a a little bit of what she writes. She says, I was one of the teachers who received the teacher blessing. I was the one sobbing because of how moving it was. I don't think you understand how much this will help. The money I received today during the blessing will go towards students this year that have food insecurity where kids who can't pay for lunch will actually be able to eat. The money will also go to hygiene products given to students. See, I'm a teacher in the sixth grade, and usually these kids are starting puberty around this time. And parents don't have the funds for things like deodorant, sanitary pads, and more. So I'm going to purchase some hygiene products to give to students so they can feel their best each and every day. Lastly, I'll be using some of the money to buy school supplies as some students bring absolutely nothing but themselves to school. Your gift, Vineyard, from two weeks ago will linger throughout the semester or beyond. I don't want to get caught up on the money thing because it's not about money. Mary gave a pound of perfume worth a a year's wages. Whoa. If we go back to the scene, what was Martha doing, her sister? She was serving. It was her gift. It's what she had. I don't want to minimize that. It's not all about money. It's what gift do I have that I can give back to God? Martha served. It was beautiful. Some of you have pretty incredible gifts. I don't know what they are. I can imagine that some of you play an instrument, sing a song, can pray beautifully, can fix a car. I don't know what your gifts, but they're different They're different from mine. And the challenge this morning is for some of you, you have shelved those gifts because life has gotten busy and it's time to pick those things back up and offer them to God. And maybe if we poured out those gifts sacrificially, they would linger for longer than we realize. So here's a question Am I pouring out my gifts like Mary? It's a challenging question for me. I I have things that I know God has gifted me with that I have shelved. So I'm trying to pay attention to this because Mary is a model for giving back to God sacrificially and I think we should pay attention to it. Mary's gift to Jesus was boldly extravagant. Here's the other thing in in the text that I see. Mary's gift to Jesus, was misunderstood and criticized. Those are big words. I'm going to give you a second to fill those in. Misunderstood and criticized. So Mary gives an extravagant gift, but what we find in verse 4, one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Judas didn't like Mary's gift. Probably not news to you, but when we give sacrificially, and sometimes that's messy, people are going to misunderstand it. Right? You might hear things like, why are you doing that? Why are you going there? Why are you spending so much time there? Why are you going over the top? I can't believe you did that. Why are you spending so much on this? Just for clarity, in verse 6, Judas didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, a keeper of the money bag. And he used to help himself to what was put in it. See, Judas's values didn't match Mary's values. What did Judas value? Himself. What did Mary value? Jesus. And here's what I know this will come up on the screen. It's not a fill in the blank, but different values create open doors to criticism. You have a different value system. You're following Jesus and you're giving sacrificially to Him. Do not expect the world to agree, understand, or never object. It's just part of the Christian life. If you're a Christian, and you have not been criticized because of your gift or offering or time back to God, do a check, listen to this message, because it's part of the journey. Many of the bigger decisions in my life in following Jesus have invited objection. I can remember, uh, this was a number of years ago, My, my family and I were Uh, deeply involved in the homeless ministry in South Bend. And so often we would hear, why are you spending so much time down there? Why are you investing in that community? And I can remember specifically one time where we had decided as a family to spend Christmas morning with the homeless guys of South Bend. And my family objected. Now we've figured it out since then, right? Right? But even my, the, the ones that I would love the most even had questions, like, what are you doing? Like, it's just part of the deal. If you start pouring, and I'm not perfect at this, but you pour out extravagantly, people are not going to understand that. Another biblical example, uh, King David, Old Testament. He wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant, this box that sort of held God's presence. He wanted to bring it back to the city, so he gets down into his undies. And he's bringing this box, this ark, back to the city. It says this, 2 Samuel 6, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord. He was giving the Lord a gift. With all of his might, when he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of God with shouts and the sound of trumpets. That's a beautiful gift or an offering to God. And it goes on and it says this. When David returned home to bless his house, this is later, his wife came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. His wife is objecting to what he's doing. Yet David said to his wife, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Even though David had from his wife, objection and criticism. His answer was, I will be even more undignified. So what do we do when we hear criticism about a gift that we're thinking about giving? What what do we do when we anticipate criticism? Do we just check out? Do we just shelve that gift? Here's something to think about. You can write this down. My heartfelt gift to God must be bigger than someone's objection. Objection. My heartfelt gift to God has to be, it must be bigger than somebody else's objection. Otherwise, if it's not, what I'm doing is I'm falling into this trap where I'm pleasing people over me pleasing God. If I'm more worried about what someone will say if I do this or if I give that, then I am more worried about people than I am God. And that is a dangerous place to be. Galatians 1.10 says this, it says, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want to be part of a community that will get even more undignified in giving God gifts. I love, if we go back to the story, like Mary pours this out, there's criticism in the room, and Jesus' response immediately is this. Leave her alone. Jesus immediately jumps in to defend. When we give our best back to God and we are not worried about what other people will think, if criticism comes, God is big enough to back you up. He'll defend you. So here's a, here's a question. What's preventing me from giving extravagantly. I asked this question right before we close. I just want to share I asked this question to a couple of people this week and I got a couple of answers. One was I don't know if I have anything valuable to give. Just for clarity the value of that God's looking for is a value of sacrifice, not a value of what the world's looking at. In, in the book of Luke, Jesus is talking about how people were giving financially, and then he saw a woman gave two copper coins. The world would value that as almost nothing, but it was her everything. She sacrificed, and Jesus saw that, and we're still reading about it today. The value of what you're giving is based on sacrifice. Someone uh, said, well, I don't know if I have any gifts. I don't know what gifts I have to offer. Forget about finance. I don't know what gifts. Ask somebody that's close to you. You all, there's 400 people in here. I don't know how many people are watching online. Every single one of you have been gifted to do something unique. And somebody probably sees that in you just to ask them. Mary was not hindered by the people in the room and what they might think about the offering to God. May that be the same for us. Mary's gift to Jesus was boldly extravagant. It was misunderstood and criticized, but it is a model for us to give back to God. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.